It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL, who will be the Raiders quarterback? This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans, and they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20-plus years have been hard, and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now, sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. Novak drifted. Passes left for Glass at the goal line. Look at that door. Score! Takes it home. 3-2 Nashville in overtime. That's our sister station, Golden Knights Radio here as the Knights lose last night in Nashville. JT, back with you. We're brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde right there in Tivoli Village. What a beautiful law firm right there in the heart of all of that. Uh, they've been in this town for so long, dating back to their dad. They'll help you win. If you get into an accident, a slip and fall, motorcycle, truck accident, whatever it is, if you need a quality law group to help you, if you're up against it, it's the Castaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. So the Golden Knights lost last night, and I was embedded in that game. On the radio live last night on Sirius XM, I have that on one of my screens along with the Warriors and the Lakers. So three big things that I'm about to talk about were all happening at the same time last night as I was trying to chew gum and talk at the same time and do another show. So as I'm trying to get the calls going and get everybody going, this is a weird time of year. It really is. Throughout my career, the month of April has always been about the final four and then a little bit of a vacation, go skiing, take a break, because it truly is the off season of the Raiders. And you know, working every Sunday and been blessed to be a part of this organization for a while. This is the only time of year where you really get some downtime from the Raiders unless you're the GM, you're the scout. The players are gone. People are taking vacation. This is the offseason. But this offseason is a little bit different for us because the Raiders have such a big draft in front of them with the seventh pick. And as you can tell, we're going, we're going hard on the draft. And we're going to go hard on the draft right up into it and then OTAs and getting to meet these players and interview them. And hopefully it's the foundation for the Raiders' defense going forward. As Tashawn Reed wrote about in The Athletic, that this could take a couple of years of the draft to completely rebuild or reload this defense any way that you look at it there. But getting back to last night, I'm watching the Golden Knights in Nashville, and it was one of those games that were down 2 nothing, and I was just saying this would be a great game to get a point. Even if you lose the game, if you lose the game in overtime of the shootout, get a point before the Thursday night game coming up against the Kings, which I'll be inside the fortress for that. And it feels like a big game on Thursday night. It really does. I mean, as big as a regular season game as you're going to get this year because of the standings. And it doesn't feel like the Golden Knights are holding on to first place in the Pacific out west. It feels like all these other teams are making their last push at them. So they're down 2 nothing. Petrangelo plays big. They tie it up. And they lose on that goal in overtime. And that's one of the things my dad hates about hockey. My dad's my mentor in sports, and he loves sports, my dad. But he's not a hockey guy because he thinks there's a lot of luck. 
do it. You know, he's 84 years old. He never got into hockey as a kid. Grew up playing basketball, baseball, and never got into hockey. And last night is a great example why. The game-winning goal hits off a skate in the crease. I mean, come on. Not a clean goal, an ugly goal. And the Golden Knights lose, but they get a point. And I think that point is going to be very important considering how good they've been playing, and they need that point instead of getting no points heading into the Kings game. And the Kings lost to Edmonton last night. So Edmonton coming on and the Kings and, you know, Golden Knights get an opportunity to truly solidify themselves as a playoff team and a number one seed Thursday night if they win that game against the Kings, which is going to feel like a playoff game. And they end the last two games of the season against the Kraken. They got Dallas there. So it's not over yet, but I and a lot of people can see the finish line. So as that game comes to a conclusion, I'm looking up and the Lakers are up by 10 in Salt Lake against the Jazz. And that game's going back and forth. And then the Jazz have this wild comeback. Kelly Olynyk banks in a three. You know, they steal a ball. They hit another three. And the next thing you know, it goes to overtime. And the game gets into overtime. And Anthony Davis is taking so many bad jump shots. And I'm talking about that live on the air. But LeBron put the team on his back. He missed a left-handed layup in regulation to win the game. But he hit a layup in overtime to win the game. And the Lakers win that game. Conversely, the Warriors are down heading into the fourth quarter, and the Warriors come all the way back to win. And now you have this unbelievable race between the Warriors and the Lakers to try to get the sixth seed to try to stay out of the play-in game because both teams have played poorly this year. I mean, the Lakers have been hurt all year with Anthony Davis, who's been coming on very strong. LeBron's been hurt, and the Warriors can't win on the road. So I wake up this morning, and I text Bobby. First thing I do in the morning is today's a good example of what we do here. I texted Bobby in the morning. I got six interviews I'm doing today, two radio shows. This one's going to have three, and I got three tonight. And I'm texting Bobby about the show, and I asked him to grab the Lakers sound, and I knew we were going to talk about it at some point in the show today. But I get up in the morning, and I make a coffee, and I go outside, and I'm watching TV, and I'm watching the morning shows and the debate shows. And in an instance, because the NFL's in the offseason, it's all about LeBron and the Lakers. Here we go again. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. He is the guy who moves the needle. So now everybody's trying to figure out what's going to happen to the Lakers and the Warriors. And the Warriors, we got a lot of Warrior fans that listen to this show and are streaming us from the Bay Area because we have the best show on the radio, including at this time in the Bay Area, no debate. And we got a lot of Raider fans up there that listen in this time slot. And I don't dislike the Warriors. But the Warriors mailed it in this year. Andrew Wiggins was gone for personal reasons, which is fine. That's called personal reasons. He can do that. And now the Warriors are making one last run as defending champs. And they don't have to win the title this year. They won it last year. So they're good if they make the playoffs and they're one and done or they win one round and lose again. That's no big deal. But last night you could feel the fever pitch nationally that the Lakers and the Warriors have both Woken up, and they're going to make a run for the playoffs. So this morning, the Lakers are the seventh seed. They're 11 games out of first, 41 and 38. And the Warriors are 42 and 38. And the Clippers are sandwiched in between as the sixth seed. So again, Warriors are the five, the Clippers are the six, and the Lakers are the seventh seed. Why is this important? Because the sixth seed will play Sacramento. And Sacramento's had a very good year, but, you know, it's Sacramento. What the hell have they ever done? You'd rather play Sacramento than Denver or maybe even Memphis. 
So the storyline today with the Lakers is Anthony Davis doesn't play back-to-back games. They're playing the Clippers as a road team in their own building. So that's a break for Anthony Davis. And we're not going to know until tonight if Anthony Davis is going to play in this game because he doesn't want to play back-to-back games because his body is breaking down. I think he makes over $300,000 a game. And he would get a game off just because it's a back-to-back. He's not injured. They don't want him to play back-to-back games with the season on the line. Same thing with LeBron James. He's coming off a real injury, and LeBron's got to make sure his foot's healthy. So if LeBron only plays 20, 25 minutes tonight instead of 36 or 37, I'm fine with that. But Anthony Davis has got to play in this game tonight. What the hell are we talking about? Back-to-back games, Bill Russell was on the back of airplanes with regular passengers in the front of the plane. Older athletes used to take the train or a bus in between cities. The Boston Celtics and Russell and Will Chamberlain in Philadelphia would have to take buses. They were playing early on in the civil rights era where the African-American athletes couldn't eat in similar restaurants to the white players. You know all about this. And now Anthony Davis makes 300000 a game, flies on a private charter with a masseuse, stays at the Four Seasons or lives in a mansion and can get treatment in the morning and go in and have millions of dollars, millions of dollars of equipment to get his body healthy. Practice gyms, hot tubs, cold tubs, masseuses, doctors, trainers, and all this, and we don't know if he's going to play. I opened up the segment talking about the Golden Knights. They're hockey players. You never hear this crap that you hear in the NBA. Never. Hockey players take a puck in the face, they get stitches, six stitches in their lip, and they come back on the next period. Or they come back two chips later because they're hockey players. And now Anthony Davis might not play tonight because it's a back-to-back game at home against the Clippers, and he's the road team in the same building where other teams on the road don't get to stay in their own city. It's insanity to me. Absolute insanity to me. The conditions that some of the athletes are playing in today compared to the athletes back in the day. And I just wanted to bring that up. Compare it to hockey, where the Golden Knights last night lost in overtime. They got a point. You could tell they were gassed. They were tired. It's a long season. It's a hockey season. And it's also a very long basketball season, 82 games. It's a long season, and these athletes take a beating. But the point I'm trying to make is the NBA compared to the NHL the NBA doesn't care about the regular season. So the Lakers are 41-38, and 38, and they didn't care about games a month or two ago. They didn't. It wasn't important. Now the media is playing up that these games are life and death, and the Lakers have won seven out of their last ten, four in a row. They're playing well. The Phoenix Suns have won six in a row, seven out of their last ten. They're the four seed. Remember, the four will play the five. We could have the Suns and the Warriors in the first round. And getting back to the Warriors, the Warriors' record this year on the road is 9-30. and 9-30, <laughs> they're 33-8 and eight back home. And if they're a 6 seed or a 7 seed, the Warriors are going to have to play the entire postseason on the road. But the media is buying into the rebirth of the Lakers and the Warriors today. No one's talking about the Sacramento Kings. There's not a blurb on the Denver Nuggets who are going to win the West with a two-time MVP. The MVP now is probably going to go to Joel Embiid over Nikola Jokic, and well-deserved. Embiid had 50 last night and played at a high level, so he deserves it. But I wanted to just tell you again about the Lakers and the Warriors and how they both manipulate the media. And they should. They're in major media markets. L.A., the number two media market. The Warriors, the most recent dynasty in the NBA with the greatest players, and here they come. 
So as the Raiders season is completely shut down, other than draft talk, which I find very good, and I like it a lot, especially on their flagship station, this is the month where I talk sports. I'm going to talk more about the Golden Knights, the NBA playoff push, the NBA play on playing game, and obviously today the Masters. And then we'll keep ramping it up with a mock draft guest every day. We'll try to figure out what the Raiders are going to do because the Raiders media, which I believe I'm a part of, but I'm not a journalist, the journalists that cover the Raiders and the Raiders media out there, they're all divided on where the team is, what they need to do, should they get the quarterback or not, should they park the quarterback. After getting Brian Hoyer and Jimmy Garoppolo, a young quarterback in that quarterback room like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis looks pretty good studying underneath those two. That's fact. But I think it's more important that the Raiders get a corner and a defensive tackle. Uh, Todd McShay's mock draft, which I'll get to this week, has a corner and a defensive tackle in the first two picks. I agree with that. But that's what we're going to beat up, up and down the dial for the next couple of weeks here and get you ready for all the excitement around the Raiders draft. But on this show, unlike some others in this town, I'm going to give you all sports every day. And I'm all about the Golden Knights now going into that game tomorrow night because tomorrow night is a playoff game for the Knights. If the Knights can get the one seed, not the two or three seed, they're going to be playing at home throughout the easier Western Conference, which is much easier than the East, and they're going to have a puncher's chance. Now, could they lose to Edmonton? Could they lose to Dallas? Could they lose to the Kings in the playoffs? Yeah, but they'd be doing it at home as the top seed, and this city needs that lift. If the Golden Knights can go on a really deep playoff run, the Raiders have an exceptional, excellent top draft. We got F1 as they're paving the F1 roadway out here, along with paving in front of my house today. Uh, Cones everywhere in this town. And then we have the buildup to the Super Bowl after the Raiders regular season. As I've been telling all of our partners here on Raider Nation Radio, I moved to Vegas in 1996. You hear a lot of commercials. You hear a lot of our partners here on this channel. This is the biggest year in the history of Las Vegas for sports, bar none, because of F1 and the buildup to the Super Bowl. We can get a Golden Knight run to the Stanley Cup, a great Raiders draft, a great start to the Raiders season to take some of the heat off of them. It's going to be unbelievable. I encourage everybody to love Vegas this year for sports because we don't know if we're going to see anything like this again. We had a regional with the Sweet 16. We got two NASCAR playoff race. We got a NASCAR playoff race, two NASCAR races. We got the best UFC cards and boxing cards in the world upcoming. Good boxing cards coming up here, too. But most importantly, we have F1 and a countdown to the Super Bowl. And you'll hear it all here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Brought to you by our great friends at Modelo. Bucket of Modelo for everybody on a Friday. A tradition unlike any other as we watch the Masters on the flagship of the Raiders. I don't know how many more I have in me. So just to be able to appreciate the, the, the time that I have here and, and cherish the, the memories. Yeah, mobility is it's not where I would like it, but I'm very lucky to have this leg. Yes, there, it has been altered and there's some hardware in there, but it's, it's still mine. That's Tiger Woods. JT, back with you as we continue on. An unexpected visit to the studio today with Bobby. They're actually paving the street in front of my house today, so I could not... I could not get out of my garage because I don't follow directions where I live. So I came out of my garage today 
everything. I don't know if you've ever had the street paved in your neighborhood, but I pulled out and a guy came up and said, ho, 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 don't back out onto the street. We just put the tar down. So I almost had a walk today, Bobby. Interesting day today. But again, I'm here. No need. No one needs to know how I got here. But uh, thanks to the show, we are here. And uh, we got three elite NFL insiders coming up. That's why I wanted to lead with the Golden Knights and the Hoops. Because we got Jordan Schultz coming up. He's fantastic. He, gets, he has great information. Mike Sando is going to join us from The Athletic. And, of course, Vinny Bonsignor. How about that? I promise you we'd have mock draft guys every day. We've had mock draft guys every day. And we're going to continue to do that because the Raiders picked number seven overall. And if you want to call in on that pick, look, not everybody. I don't want anybody, everybody to call every day. If you call once a week, you call twice a week, it, I greatly appreciate it. You know, I don't have a co-host here or two or three or any clappers behind me. But I'd like to hear from you. Uh, get in a phone call with me this month on the draft. I want everyone in the Raider Nation who's been listening and loyal to this show over 20-plus years to call in with your pick. You can do it any day you want. I'd like it to have it maybe a week closer to it or two weeks, but maybe you're going out of town. Maybe you're not going to be around. Maybe this is in your work day. So I want your pick at number seven. That's all I care about is your number one pick for the Raiders, period, because Dave Ziegler didn't have that last year. He had to wait to the third round to get Dylan Parham. I referenced in the monologue to Sean Reed's column. Uh, it was April 3rd, Monday. Raiders' long-needed defensive overhaul will take some time and more than one draft. So Deshaun had a, a couple of sit-downs. He sat down with the owner. He talked to Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, and he opens up his column on Monday saying the Raiders' defense is in rough shape. After finishing in the bottom third of the league in most major defensive categories last season, it was known the unit needed a lot of work in this offseason. And then he said, at least on paper, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels haven't appeared to make much progress. Okay, he's got a very informed decision, and he went through the Athletics' top 150 free agents, and Marcus Epps and Robert Spillane and quarterback Brandon Faison could be starters with the rest outside additions, and he went by pick by pick by pick. Very good column here. And he said they, theoretically they could re-sign Rocky Asin, but what's going to happen with Duke Shelley, David Long Jr., Faison? So to Deshaun and a lot of people that we're going to have on today, the Raiders' offseason on defense doesn't look promising. I think it looks a little bit better than people give them credit for in depth because I've been claiming that they're going to go huge in the draft with getting starters here. So they're going to have to go out and make some moves here. Dave Ziegler told The Athletic last week at the NFL owners' meeting, quote, when it comes to free agency and the offseason, quote, it's, going to hap- it's not going to happen in one draft either. I'm talking about getting the team exactly where we want it to be and exactly how we want it to look from the fourth guard to the starting guard to the fourth defensive tackle to the starting defensive tackle. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done, and that's going to happen over the course of years. That's the reality where we are right now and how we're trying to continually add to the team. So when that came out, the people who saw it said, "Uh uh-oh, wait a second, what's going on here? Are they going to be able to fix this, and how are they going to be able to go about it? So I want to get into that with you over the course of the show, and we'll talk more about that because I think it's very important, very important going forward that the Raiders nail the draft with three to four starters there, and then all of a sudden everyone's opinion changes on the Raiders offseason. Everyone's opinion completely changes on the Raiders' defense 
this offseason if that goes down, if they get three to four starters. And that's why everybody I've been interviewing and trying to interview locally and nationally, I'm asking about that Raiders' seventh pick. So we had a curveball thrown at us yesterday by Brian Hoyer, who's now the backup quarterback for the Raiders. And here's what drives me bat crazy. Brian Hoyer was the backup for Tom Brady. And I got Raider fans bitching about him being the backup in Las Vegas when he was the backup for Tom Brady. The greatest quarterback of all time, Brian Hoyer, was a backup for the greatest quarterback of all time. How could anybody question him as a backup quarterback, Brian Hoyer, if he backed up Tom Brady on these teams that went to Super Bowls? And there's an article in The Athletic that Brian Hoyer helped the team defensively win their most recent Super Bowl. And it's because Raider fans have Patriot fatigue. And I talk about that often on the show. You can't even have a constructed conversation with some members of the Raiders because they think picking players from the greatest franchise of the last 20 years is somewhat bad. Let that sink in for a second. Imagine you're in school and you're sitting in front of a professor or a teacher and you have that type of logic that we're bringing over people from the most winning franchise in the last 20 years, scouts, coaches, and players, and you raise your hand and say it's not going to work. Well, that's what I'm dealing with every day with the Raiders. If they bring in Danny Amendola as a coach, people are saying, well, that's not a good hire. You have no idea what you're talking about. It could be a great hire. But you don't like him because he won multiple Super Bowls with the Patriots. It's ridiculous, childish behavior. But I can't get in front of that tsunami of criticism from those type of fans who won't keep an open mind. So with all this in general, let's evaluate the players for who are coming in on how they could help the organization. If you're really pissed off and you're really freaking out that the Raiders are going out and the Raiders are bringing in former Patriot employees, I can't help you with that. There's probably more Patriot employees in that building that I've not heard of on the scouting department. I don't know. I don't know their names yet. I haven't met them yet, and I can't help with that. I can't help you with that. But what I'm trying to do is give you Raider therapy and walk you off the ledge when someone comes up to you at a sports bar or comes up to you at an event or at a ball game and says, can you believe all these Patriots were bringing in? It would be the equivalent in baseball of the Brewers saying, we're bringing in all these Astros from the last couple of years. They've won two out of the last four World Series. They have the best lineup in baseball and the deepest pitching staff. Can you believe we're bringing in the Astros? You would never hear that. You would never hear that in any other sport. But we're hearing it here throughout the Raider Nation. And we're hearing it here from a loud group of people who aren't letting all this content from all of these writers and sports talk hosts and my colleagues sink in. Imagine, and this is a very easy job, and we're very blessed to have it, and we thank you all for listening. But imagine if you came in every day knowing everybody was going to be slightly pissed off because some new addition to the franchise came from a winning franchise. I mean, you bang your head up against the wall if you're me. You'd sit there every day going, wait a second. They brought in Danny Amendola to be a coach. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? And, and there's people, when the Raiders put out the release, and there's people in the responses saying irrational things on their own home team's social media. I'm not going to fight that war. I don't know if Damon, uh, Danny Amendola is going to be a great coach or not, but he's thought highly by the men who are running this team. So, again, Brian Hoyer backed up Tom Brady. He didn't back up Andy Dalton. He didn't back up anybody who was a bum. 
He was in the room with the greatest player of all time, bringing that expertise to this organization. I don't know how you could have a problem with that at all. But again, uh, maybe, maybe it's just me looking at a couple of random tweets along the way. Jordan Schultz breaks a lot of news. The NFL insider at the score. I have him on often here because he's fantastic and his brand is growing left and right. My friend, good to talk to you. And you get all these uh, players and you know what teams are bringing in all these players for individual workouts. What's it like being you this time of year scheduling and knowing who's coming in and out of these facilities? Yeah, JT, you, you broke up for the last, like, 10 seconds. I'm so sorry. Can you say that yeah. again? What is it like for you trying to figure out who's coming in to visit all these teams and these mm-hmm. personal day visits? How do you keep track of all that? The visits are really interesting because, you know, on one hand, you have teams that are really interested in players, and then sometimes it can be, let's get a feel of who else is interested, and there's a, there's gamesmanship. But typically, there is legitimate interest in that guy if he's in your facility, and, and your your whole goal is to – figure out you know how it feels once he's on campus if you will and so it's almost like a de facto recruiting visit knowing that um you know this is like a a trial a trial run for how it could potentially feel to have him in your organization yeah so we see the combine and they sit down with the players at the combine then they go to the pro day and if they have them in for a visit it means they're really hot on that player as you said it could be a smoke screen if they want to trade out of the pick or move up yeah, and, and so you have – that's exactly right. You, you, have, you have the combine, you have your one-on-ones, you have the pro day where you speak with the coaches, and then you get your, you, you get your, your day or you know, 12 hours, whatever it is, with the player in your facility. And then sometimes teams will go to that player and actually work him out um, in person as well. So there's really all these different kinds of opportunities because what you want ideally is by draft day to have the best possible understanding – of that player, who he is as a person, who he is as a player, what's his upside, uh, what's his downside, ceiling floor, all of those things. And, and you want to have the best possible understanding. But the league limits, there's only a finite number of visits you can have, top visits. So it's really interesting. And it's something that I think um, even me as a, as, as a reporter, insider, I, I still don't fully understand. Because when you mm-hmm. talk to players, usually they'll say, yeah, the visit goes really well because there's not necessarily a lot of things that could go wrong. When you talk to teams, sometimes they'll say, we really liked them, maybe we didn't like them so much, so it's fascinating. Uh, Jordan Schultz is our guest. Peter Skoronsky, the tackle, who everybody thinks is a top-ten pick, and so do I. He's a tackle that can play guard, and that's very valuable throughout many organizations. And the Eagles had him in for a visit, and the Eagles have two or three great offensive linemen who are aging out, and they pick in the top ten at number ten here. So I think this is a very interesting pick, as teams might want to grab him before the Eagles wait for him. How do you see him? Yeah, and, and I reported on Monday he visited – or he visited the Eagles on Monday, um, unanimous All-American at Northwestern, terrific player, can play inside and outside. The Eagles could also go defensive line, uh, another another position group where they are stacked. But let's say hypothetically that Jalen Carter were to slip. I don't see how he gets past them at 10. So they, that, that's a really interesting pick for a lot of reasons. It's, it's really crazy to me that they're even in this position as a, as a Super Bowl team, arguably – uh, you know, the favorites going into next year with one of the best three or four quarterbacks in all of football. So it's a great position to be in, um, and I can see them going a variety of different spots. NFL inside of Jordan Schultz does a fabulous job. Uh, appreciate him joining us. I want to move to the quarterbacks. I think it's one and two, the obvious ones, and then the drop-off to 
Will Levis and what we could be hearing about Anthony Richardson and all these markets from Indianapolis to Las Vegas to teams wanting to trade up here. Separate the quarterbacks from me when you get to three, four, five, because you reported uh, yesterday that Hendon Hooker has a top 30 visit with the Titans. I thought he was a second round talent, but I'm positive. I think he's going to go in the first round because there's going to be a run on the quarterbacks, maybe in the first five or six, seven picks. Yeah. Hooker's Hooker's, I mean, he's tantalizing. The, the, the only downside with him is the age. You know, he's, he just turned 25. Mm-hmm. And um, some teams might say that's too old. I think most teams will say the guy can really play football. 27 touchdowns, two picks, five more rushing, um, SEC Offensive Player of the Year. So he is a special talent. Um, and I think his maturity, his confidence, his footwork, accuracy, big arm, there's a lot to really like there. And I don't see him getting out of the first round. Levis is interesting because he was, you know, being mocked one, two, three, and then all of a sudden the media seemed to turn on him. I'm doing a story on him right now. And I spoke with, for example, Wondell Robinson, who was his receiver at Kentucky, um, now with the Giants. And he was telling me how much he loved him. And I said, what, do you, you know, what, what was it about him? And he said, first of all, everything that Will does comes from a good place, mm-hmm. which I thought was nice, not nice to hear. Second of all, loved his swag. And for whatever reason, the media says maybe he's there again or, uh, whatever it is, he, he, he lacks the self-awareness. I think someone said, you know, I, I don't necessarily buy any of that. I think he is the real deal. And then you mentioned Richardson. You know, this guy is unicorn, alien, whatever you want to call him. When I talk to executives and scouts, you, you, these are the types of terms you hear. Mm-hmm. And I think he he's only 20 years old, and I think he has a chance to go uh, inside the top five as well. But, you know, he needs probably to sit at least a year so there's potentially soft landing spots for him. The Raiders were to certainly make sense to me. The Lions make sense where there's another veteran quarterback in place where he can sit a year, maybe two, and really learn the position, learn the system, and then develop into the potential star, superstar that he is. Yeah, I want to stay with him as we're talking to Jordan Schultz. Parking a guy behind a veteran quarterback you know, definitely makes a lot of sense. But a lot of fans and, and owners want to see that young player play by week seven, eight, nine. Patrick Mahomes played later in his rookie year because he was behind a great quarterback in Alex Smith. You know how the media can bark, and you know how season ticket holders can bark. When you get a guy like that and you park him behind a pretty good quarterback and that quarterback throws two interceptions and a pick six, everybody's raining down booze and wanting to see that young player get on the field. That could be tough for a team. Absolutely, and that's when, you know, we, we've seen that in San Francisco, obviously with Trey Lance. We, 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 we've seen it throughout history. Whenever you see a high-profile quarterback taken early um, and someone that the fan base really feels like is going to change the, the, the trajectory of the franchise. But oftentimes, you know, th- those quarterbacks aren't ready. And that's, I mean, listen, I don't know where Richardson's going to go, but mm-hmm. the fact that, you have, I mentioned the Lions, I mentioned the Raiders, a few other spots where he could come in and sit behind a, a proven veteran. Um, to me, it's just the, it's the best possible scenario for him. Now, let's say hypothetically, for example, he is a Raider, right? And Garoppolo has a really bad first few weeks. There's no question that the Raider fan base, as you know, is going to clamor for Richardson. But when you have, this is when, this is when like having a really solid locker room, really solid coaching staff, all those things come into play where you can handle that. And we're internally, there's not that daily rip, right? And mm-hmm. so I think the landing spot for someone like Richardson is really important. And I would argue for all these quarterbacks, you know, especially some of the guys where the media seems to pick them apart, whether it's Levis, Richardson, even Hooker for his age, whatever you want to say. 
the, the, the landing spot is extremely important. Wrapping it up with Jordan Schultz, great NFL insider. Brand gets bigger by the day. You've been around big business most of your youth and adult life here. I want to get your feeling on the price for the Washington Commanders at $6 billion, Magic's involvement, knowing that Denver went for 4.5 around there. Does it look like Denver could have went for five or more in hindsight here because the league wants to get rid of Daniel Snyder? I have a lot of sources in that world along with you. We've talked about this. This is a big moment in this league to set the bar for a team that has been through hell in the nation's capital at $6 billion. What should every other owner expect around the league uh, from Buffalo all the way to Jacksonville with the price of their franchise going up or going through the roof if there's a $6 billion sale? Yeah, I, would, I, I thought the Broncos would have gone for more. The Commanders are essentially a 10-pole franchise. $6 billion definitely seems like the number. Um, I don't get the sense it's going to ultimately be Magic's group. I think you're going to, you're going to have to pay $6 billion plus to get the Commanders, and there's no question that the league is fed up with Daniel Snyder. They want him out. Goodell wants him out, um, even if he hasn't necessarily said, I want this man out. There, it's just, he's a terrible look for the NFL. There's, there's just no doubt about it. So to me, it's going to be $6 billion plus, and I think it's going to be the Harris bid. Um, if you had to just say, Jordan, what do you what do you believe? So that that's the number, I think. And, and NFL franchises have never been more valuable. And, again, I, I was surprised that the commanders didn't go for or that the Broncos didn't go for more. What are your sources telling you about Snyder? Do you think he has one more round of shenanigans to stall and hope it goes away and if he doesn't get the right bid or if he pushes back? Or do you think the league has told him indirectly, you get this deal, you're out of here, we're approving it, and you're going to have no complaints about it? What are your sources telling you? You know, that's a great question that I haven't asked. Um, I, I, I wish I had the answer to it, man. I really do. My, my sense is that he will not be the owner week one of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I hope I'm right because I think he has no business being the owner of an NFL franchise, given where the league, how far the league has come. Um, I just, to me, it makes no sense that he still has control of a team. So that, I guess that's the best way I could answer. I wish, I wish I had more on that though. Yeah, you will. That's what you do, man. That's why you're always working the phones and you got good relationships. Really appreciate you. Thanks for doing this. Oh, my pleasure, brother. Thank you. Jordan Schultz, a really good guest to have on. He built the brand, a very big brand, quickly. He's an NFL insider. He's all over the place. And, again, he has no problem with me talking about it. His dad is one of the most successful businessmen in American history, Howard Schultz of Starbucks. And what he built through this is everything's on his own. I love that about people. They, you know, He could have went down that road and maybe been the next COO, CEO of that company. And he carved his own niche in sports. The Schultz Report, very good. He has good information. He gets everybody to comment on and off the record. And we just talked about the quarterbacks here and what could happen. So I'm believing that most of the NFL insiders are split on what the Raiders should do. Many believe they could get the quarterback now because the Raiders have a high pick, the seventh pick. This is where you pull the trigger on a quarterback. But they're not high up enough. If they were at three or four, They'd be in the driver's seat. If they were at one or two, they'd be able to get Bryce Young. They'd be able to get C.J. Stroud. Caleb Williams, I think, is better than both of those guys, and he's available next year. So for the Raiders, if they're going to get a quarterback, I would not get a quarterback now with Brian Hoyer and Jimmy Garoppolo. That's just my opinion. But if they say we're 100% going to get Anthony Richardson or Will Levis because we vetted them, we did all our work, we love one of the guys, please do. I'm not going to fight that and die on that hill, especially around these parts. If they think that's the guy, they're going to have to park him. And then Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be on a one-year deal, 
one-year deal. He's probably going to play his ass off, and you're going to have Brian Hoyer backing him up. I talked to someone high up in the NFL earlier today about Brian Hoyer. That's why I came in all moaning and blanking about Brian Hoyer because I can't have a Brian Hoyer conversation in Vegas. Can't. No one I want to talk to about Brian Hoyer, including the fans. I don't want to hear from anybody because I'm not going to get rationale. I'm not going to get people that have a real comment about giving a good guy who's a great, great backup quarterback. If you would tell me that the Raiders brought in Jameis Winston, Brian Hoyer, Andy Dalton, right, someone like that, I would have did a backflip down the strip because they're really good and they're backups. Okay, I don't have them as starters. But if they have to break the glass and put Brian Hoyer in, it's going to be exactly what Stidham did. Stidham was up to speed with Josh McDaniels, and he looked really good in the Niner game. And I'm not predicting injuries to Jimmy G, but if he went down, Hoyer wouldn't run timidly out to the huddle and look at the coach and go, what do I do here? He knows this playbook. And Raider fans have to grow up and get the fact that the only way the quarterback position is going to work now in this city is someone who's familiar with Josh McDaniels. You cannot take a rookie quarterback and give them the depths of Gruden or McDaniel or Andy Reid's playbook. They can't handle it. Mahomes was able to do it, and he sat until week 16 or 17 behind Alex Smith. And from talking to people around that situation, he was so good in practice. When Mahomes got into practice, Alex Smith's a very good player. Very good player. But when Mahomes got in, and started flipping his wrist 30 yards and running, and everybody couldn't even see him run and started throwing across his body 90, you know, 60 yards on the dime. They said, okay, all right, enough. Alex, uh, hate to tell you, but we're going with this guy. That could happen with Anthony Richardson. I don't think it would happen with Levis, but Richardson, as Jordan Schultz just told us, is a unicorn. He's something that we haven't seen. So if he comes in and it's week seven, and the Raiders aren't off to the start that we'd like to see them at, then Richardson would have to play. Because you got him for five years. You got a four-year deal on a rookie deal with a 50-year option. You want to get him out there. But I don't think that Josh or Dave would want to put Richardson out there in week six or seven unless it was an emergency. See, there's no emergency around here. The Raiders' bleeping offense is bleeping loaded. It's not the problem. The offense has got to score. I was telling Chris in West Oakland, we're screaming at each other. I'm saying 30 to 32 a game, just just tying their cleats together. 30 to 32 a game. If you can't have Josh Jacobs, Jimmy G, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, all these guys put up 30 on offense and keep the defense on the sideline, then that is a failure beyond epic proportions especially with a legendary play caller with six Super Bowl rings. So I'm cool with the offense. The only reason I could see the offense struggling is if they make more personnel moves and they get rid of a player or two that I'm not expecting, and there's an injury. And I don't talk about injuries until injuries happen. This offense is loaded. It was loaded last year, and it didn't work. Why didn't it work? Well, the defense was as soft as a pillowcase. The offense had to do too much, and the quarterback and the offensive coordinator head coach did not have the same background and philosophy on how to run the system. That's been cleaned up. That's why Jimmy G's here. So that's got to be better. Why can't I go on the radio and assume assume that the offense is going to be better than last year with the players I mentioned? You're going to tell me it can't be better because we lost Darren Waller, who wasn't available all last year? That's going to be, that's going to be the philosophy? you got to assume the offensive line is going to get better with an addition of a player or two plus the growth of the young players. 
And then Devontae's in his prime, and Josh should still lead the league in rushing. And Garoppolo makes better decisions in the red zone. Now, the defense, I have no answers for you. And as I told my dad, I talk to my dad every day, I don't have to answer any question on the defense till after the draft because I'm going balls out on the draft being great. Now, if the draft isn't great on defense and there's an early quarterback taken or a tight end, and I go, oh, whoa, wait a second. I thought the defense, I'm JT. I said they're going to get four starters. And you start lining up the phones and saying, hey, man, I only see two starters, man. I only see two starters and a bunch of guys. Then I got problems. Then we got some problems here. So I'm all in that the offense is going to be better than last year. And I'm all in that the defense has to be improved in the draft. That's all I got. I got nothing else. Offense, the kicker's great. The punter's great. The running back's great. The elite wide receiver, the quarterback decision's really good. The slot receivers are great, not good. Now let's see what they do on defense. Ready, Bobby? I'm warmed up now. Took me 48 minutes. And uh, running around my neighborhood in reverse to get the car out. So I learned how to do strategic reverse driving today. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor next hour and Mike Sando. Those are two epic guests covering the NFL. Can't wait to talk to them next hour. Brought to you by Virgin Hotels. Las Vegas. Joel one-on-one spins by one man. Davide and a slam. He eats up the rim. A two-hand stuff. A quick turn. A catch and a go. And a dunk. 54 and B. Joel Embiid last night with 50. JT back with you. Thanks for listening, everybody. We had to move Vinny Bonsignor. Uh, we still have Mike Sando going to join us next hour. That opens up uh, many phone lines for you as I'm looking for the Raiders draft. I'm living up to my side of it. We're getting you NFL insiders on. I got two today. We just had Jordan Schultz on and Mike Sando from The Athletic, two of the better ones. We want to hear from you on the Raiders pick going forward and just the Raider philosophy. So the big news is Bryce Young who probably is going to go number one or at least number two in the draft, is confirmed to have a visit here with the Raiders. So the Raiders are doing their due diligence at the quarterback position, which they love to do. This is one of the favorite things that Josh McDaniels has done, and he's talked to me about that on and off camera, that he likes to go through the evaluation process with the quarterbacks, even if he's not going to get the quarterback. Even if he's not going to get the quarterback, he wants to have an opportunity to work them out, Meet them, talk to them, take them out to dinner, do whatever they have to do. So that's why Dave Ziegler went to the pro days, met with these guys. They're building a relationship. So seven minutes ago, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, the Raiders are hosting Bama quarterback Bryce Young on a top 30 visit. That begins on Thursday tomorrow. According to Mike Garofolo, the Raiders have the number seven pick in the, in the draft. So that's a big deal. Why waste a pick on a meeting on that? That's not a waste. You got maybe the number one pick coming into your building to see your building where someday he might be a free agent to see Las Vegas and you're doing your due diligence on seeing him because you're going to compete against him and you're going to compete against him and you're going to be able to see him and work him out and get to know him a little bit better. John Elway is no longer a part of the Broncos organization. That's a huge story. Uh, Elway, the most famous Bronco, their greatest player of all time. Uh, Super Bowls as an executive, as a player here, stepping down from the organization. I sensed that was coming for a while, plus a little bit easier to make that decision with new ownership. 
with new ownership as they go into that direction. And next hour, Mike Sando broke the story on what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals. That's a big story. According to Mike Sando, who's going to join us live next hour, the Arizona Cardinals and their owner potentially gave burner phones out, burner phones out to several people in the organization. Wow. Michael Bidwell being accused by Terry McDonough of handing out burner phones as the GM, Steve Kime, got suspended for a DUI so they could communicate on burner phones. Oh, my God. We'll get into that next hour. One more hour to go on the flagship of the Raiders. We're brought to you by the M Resort Spawn Casino.